You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City correspondent, Tim Bridgewater Bender. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of Republic City Report, a Legend of Core podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater Bender. I want to thank you guys for coming to join me with another episode. Where we talk about this fantastic show, The Legend of Core. Once again, uh, I apologize for the very weird and sort of unorganized updating schedule for the podcast. But as you already know, you know, the episodes have been coming on too per week and everything like that and i had to get caught up yada 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 i'm sure you heard the past couple episodes so you already know all of my excuses but as i make an effort to get caught up here we go i'm trying to get these out before this week's two episodes air this is gonna be a very short season if they keep going at this rate but you know at the same time we don't have to wait as long and we're kind of getting more cora per week so can't go wrong with that i want to take the time to um remind everyone that this is more of a uh, listener feedback sort of a podcast i very much welcome getting your emails uh your thoughts opinions any questions you may have make sure you send me an email to republiccityreport at gmail.com you can also head over to facebook.com slash republiccityreport and leave me a comment and everything that page is slowly but surely getting some likes if you can get in there we can really get some good discussions going but i need more likes i mean right now it doesn't make much sense to post there because no one's going to see it right facebook has this weird thing now to where you almost have to pay for people to really see your updates and i only have i don't have that many likes on there anyway so it's kind of it's kind of hard for me to remember to go there but the more people i get over there the more i'll be willing to post and the more we can talk about things and everything like that so um, as with every episode now, I'm going to talk about uh, this week's episode, which is, of course, um, episode four in Harm's Way. Uh, but before I get to, no, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> After I do that, uh, we're going to I have a couple emails. So I'm going to I have a few emails. I think I'm going to try to get to maybe two of these today because they kind of pertain to this episode in particular. And whenever I don't get this episode uh, I'll, I'll address on the following episode. So let's just get right on into it. Uh, once again, this is episode four in harm's way. So this was a very exciting episode, right? And, and it was nice to see that some of my, uh, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Predictions, uh, sort of unfolded and came true here. The episode basically starts off with, um, they're they're coming. Everyone is together, right? We're, they're together in the at the uh, water tribe. Sorry, <laughs> it's really late right now. I'm kind of stuttering a little bit, but um, you know, the, the episode basically opens up with a shot of this prisoner, uh, the one who's been being held in the in the ice prison. Uh, and once again, I don't know their names yet because they're still brand new. It's going to take a while, <laughs> etc. But uh, you know, we basically know that you know Lord Zuko and Tunrock. And even Desna and Eska are all there because they basically anticipated the fact that Zahir and his gang are coming to free this last 
person here and you know they kind of make her seem like she's going to be the most fierce one of all in a lot of ways and we find out we found out on the previous episode that she's a firebender with the ability to create explosions using her mind okay which was once again as they mentioned uh something that uh the assassin from the original from the last airbender series uh, zuko hired an assassin with that same ability to try to kill ang and if you remember correctly they had a lot a really hard time dealing with that and now it seems like they're going to have that same problem so the episode kind of starts off with that basically they're coming to get her and we've got uh once again, Zuko, Tonrock, Desna, and Asuka. I believe it's just them four against the other four. So it makes it somewhat of an even battle, I guess. But not really, because if you've seen it, you know that it <laughs> it just doesn't go their way at all. I mean, they really don't stand much of a chance in this fight. Uh, which is, you know, I I get it. I, I just think it's a, it's a little weird, I guess. Because these guys have been in prison for 13 years and they get out of prison and they're just whooping butt. You know, they're, they're whooping Tongue Rock's butt. They're whooping Desnet Eska. They're whooping up Zuko. I mean, I think a lot of people were kind of disappointed that uh, Zuko didn't do more in this fight. Uh, but in his defense, right, I would say in his defense, he, he he's he's in the, the he's at the water temple you know he's the water tribe and it's very cold there okay he's in, he's a firebender and while he was still able to bend fire it's just it, it's kind of understandable that it would be a little difficult to really get into the groove not to mention he's got to be how old now <laughs> he's got to be extremely old not that age is necessarily um some sort of a uh requirement to be a great fighter i mean we remember uncle iroh was up there in age and you know, he was <laughs> he was pretty amazing. But basically, you know, we couldn't have them win the fight because then that what kind of story would we have gotten from that? Right. So, yeah, they basically to keep a long story short, they uh, they get her out of there and we get to see some impressive fight sequences here. Uh, for one thing, that waterbender, uh, the one with no arms. Uh, wow. <laughs> that entire sequence with her was just phenomenal. I mean, she. Desna and Eska basically throw out a bunch of shards of ice at her and she just kind of swings in between them and then freezes them both. I mean, I think I watched that that scene about five times. I mean, it was just that awesome. And then, of course, they free her from the the, uh, the other girl from the bottom. And uh, we get to see her actually do a couple explosions with her mind, which was a little strange, too, because I think, um, you know, Zuko's dragon attacked her and blew fire at her. <laughs> which was a mistake right because she's a firebender uh not that they need fire to be around in order to bend uh that was something that the old Shyamalan movie changed to where the firebenders had to be near fire they couldn't create it not that i want to talk about that movie because it was terrible but but you know something that actually brings up a good question though uh, here's my first question of the episode, and it's kind of off topic, but send me uh, an email or publiccityreport at gmail.com. Let me know if you ever want me to review The Last Ambender movie. That can be a podcast episode that I just kind of do on the side, just sort of a bonus thing. Uh, I'll watch it again and talk about everything that I didn't like about it and, and where it went wrong and everything. I mean, it's no secret I didn't like it, you know. I mean, and I'll tell you this much. The very first time I saw the movie, I had never actually seen the series yet. So... I had a different opinion of it then than I have now, now that I've watched the series. So if you want to hear more about that, once again, 
uh, email me at republiccityreport at gmail.com and maybe I can talk about that for an episode and we can you can send in your questions and we can just have a an episode dedicated to that. Why not? But back to the point here, um, this is not going to be a very long discussion about this episode, because the thing about this episode is that when there's a lot of fighting in, in most episodes, when there's a lot of fighting going on, there's nothing there's there's nothing to really discuss. You know, there's not a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of story development, character progression and everything, because they're basically just going from point A to point B to accomplish something. And, you know, that we, we're going to get episodes like that. Think about those last couple episodes of, of Airbender or the, you know, whenever they were. Um, whenever they were. Um, see, now I can't remember. <laughs> That's what I get for doing that. But it was the it was the day of uh, the day of Black Black Sun. Yeah, yeah, it was like an eclipse, and the firebenders were losing their abilities during the eclipse. Um, so, I mean, like, that whole thing is an example of how you can't, there's not really much to discuss about that. There's not much that happens storyline-wise, because it's just, we have a goal, let's see if we can accomplish it by the end of this episode. And that's kind of what happens in this episode in some ways. But we do get a little bit of, of story development here. So, at the same time all of this is going on, we do get to also see um, Mako and Bolin kind of say goodbye to their, their, you know, their new extended family and their grandmother and everything, which is very nice. It's very nice. I'm, I'm, I've, I've said this before, but I'm, I'm extremely pleased at what they're doing with uh, Bolin and Mako this season. Um, I, I wasn't, I was not a huge fan of the movie star thing that they were doing with Bolin last season. Like, I didn't I didn't feel like it ever really served a purpose. Like there was no ultimate goal for that. It just seemed like sort of a side thing and I didn't really understand it. But this is much better because now we're getting their heritage and their heritage ties in to the rest of this because the most the majority of this is taking place in Earth Kingdom and that's where, you know, it only made sense for them to explore that as well if they were gonna take Team Avatar to Bossing Say and the Earth Kingdom and everything that we get to see a little bit of the history of those characters, given that they have origins in the Earth Kingdom. And I, I, that's one of my f most favorite things about this season so far. Now, uh, also, of course, um, you know, they they find their way back because they get uh, passports that allow them to get back to the upper ring, which, you know, they finally show back up, meet up with Mock with. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's very late with Korra and Asami. And then they tell her about what they found out, which is the same thing that we have also found out uh, at the end of the previous episode was that um, the Earth Queen is is holding the new airbenders prisoner and basically forcing them to join the army um, to to protect the Earth Kingdom. So uh, Cora basically just says, well, I, you know, I was right to not trust her and everything and everything like that. And then um, the queen actually shows up. Just to kind of, you know, how it is, she could, the queen could tell that she's asking, that Cora's asking too, she's like, they're asking too many questions, they're doing too much sniffing around, let me get them out of here before they stumble upon something. So she makes up this story about there being airbenders in another city, uh, or something like that, and, but by this time, you know, the a Team Avatar, they already know, they already know that um, she's really holding the airbenders captive. So they just kind of play along and say, yeah, sure, well, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our uh, what's it called again? Gosh, man, uh, airship. <laughs> our airship is uh, 
is is broken right now so we have to wait till tomorrow to get it fixed they come up with a story to basically explain um, why they're going to be sticking around but the whole time we know they're actually planning to to go in there and rescue uh everyone so they they go back and they talk to um Tenzin and everyone they tell them about it now at the same time we actually get to see what's going on with these airbenders right so we get a little bit of taste of their training and what the Dai Li is actually putting them through in order to prepare themselves to join the the Earth Kingdom army and of course we get to see Kai in there which is a very nice sequence because through through these sequences of him in the prison we get to see that he's obviously one of the more uh, developed airbenders at this point because he's pretty much better than everyone else who's in there. Um, but we also get to see that he's not entirely a bad kid. I mean, not that we ever thought that he was completely, but you know, it's like he—he's once again he's going to be one of those characters that kind of has to redeem himself, and I feel like he will because there's a moment where he's sparring with another kid. And the kid's like, hold on, I'm not as good as you. So then he takes it easier on him. So, I mean, right then and there, you, you understand that this is not a bad kid because of that. You know, he's just obviously been through some rough times and just had to, he learned the wrong way and everything like that. He just needs some good guidance and some good direction. And rest assured, he'll get that from Tenzin and Korra and everyone else when he goes to train at the, uh, the air temple. Um, but of course, the Dali, they don't really appreciate that. So they just kind of make it harder on him while he's in there. So meanwhile, Team Avatar is, of course, planning, making a, a plan to try and uh, locate the uh, <clears throat> the airbenders and see where they are and everything like that. And then they get a knock at the door. Uh, they open the door. And bam, there appears one of my favorite characters, Miss Lin Beifong, which I was kind of hoping and wondering when she was going to pop back up and, and, and play a, a part in what's going on, which just to kind of tease the next episode, which I'm sure you've all have seen already. She plays a really big part in what happens in the, in the next episode. But of course, I'll get to that when I get to that episode. But it was nice to see her again. So she basically comes in and says, hey, we have to get Korra back to Republic City. She warns them about Zaheer and everyone. They're coming to get her. Uh, and then we do get a brief little uh, explanation of why these guys are going after Korra. Remember, I kind of speculated in previous episodes on what that was. Now, we still don't know exactly why, but we do get a little bit of background on it. And that's basically that whenever they found out that Korra was the Avatar, Zaheer and, and his comrades tried to kidnap Korra. And they never found out. They... Um, questioned them for 13 years in prison and they never spoke a word never said why so uh, hopefully the writers are building up to something really epic with that uh, as for the reason because I, I, I find it hard to believe that they're just trying to kill her I mean there's just got to be something more to that I mean I think Zaheer did say something about killing the Avatar when he, was, when he escaped or destroying the Avatar but I don't think that that is the ultimate goal I think that there's some there's something else that we're missing here, you know, and, it, and it, it can't be a coincidence that these four people, each one of them has an element mastered, basically. And then Korra has all four elements mastered. I mean, there's got to be some kind of a greater thing there that they're trying to accomplish. And just hope whatever it is, it's worth all of this. But of course, Korra refuses because she's there. She's in Ba Sing Se. She's on a mission. And her mission is to bring find the airbenders and bring them back. 
So then uh, Beifong agrees, says, where where are they? And they're in the military compound. And all of this was kind of before or after uh, Janora decided to use her spirit, her out of body spirit walking thing that she does to go and search different areas. And eventually she finds out where they're being held by finding Kai and everything. So once again, we get another moment there with Janora and Kai, but this is something that they've been hinting at ever since they first met. Okay. There's, there's a little romance developing there and it's, <laughs> it's something that's very cute and it's very fun to watch. And especially it's fun to watch Tenzin's reaction to it whenever someone says something about it. Uh, so, you know, look for that to, to definitely blossom into something. So as a result of that experience, they, they know exactly where the airmenders are and then they wait till nighttime and then they do their normal, very cool and funny Avatar, Legend of Korra type of tricks to basically get in there and, and to free the airbenders. But of course, you know, before they get a chance to get out of there, they are discovered and then we get a nice, well, but even before that, we get a nice little, we, we get a couple nice little fight sequences in there. And one thing I've always said about this show is that I love the fight sequences. I love it because it's always so fluid and it's just well animated and everything. Uh, and we get to see Kai do a little action in there. There's a, little, there's a cute little moment in there where Janor is captured by one of the Dai Li and they kind of show a close up of him. And then he kind of runs in and does a swip, this sweep kick thing. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those moments that would just make you smile and kind of blush yourself by looking at it. So it's very cool. But, um, they basically at this point are just trying they have to try to escape here with all the airbenders so um not not much of a fight ensues per se between the, they and the Dai Li uh they are all the airbenders just kind of join in together and just use their air to just kind of hold them back you know meanwhile Beifong and Asami are bringing over the airships uh to try to help them escape so we do get that moment and <laughs> through basically through a series of events they they get up there some nice uh improv there by um Bolin you know kind of shooting them up toward the airship using the earth and they you know they land on the back of uh Oogie and it's just it's a very nice sequence that that developed from that point on but once again there's not much more to say about it than that I mean unless I'm leaving out something because it's just it's a mission, right? And when there's a mission, there's not much to dissect there because it's just a goal that they're going on and then either they'll accomplish it or they won't. And they accomplished it. Now, we'll kind of get a little bit more into that as I get into some of these emails and maybe we'll get a little bit more um, clairvoyance and everything from it at that point. Uh, so at the same time, well, we already said that, you know, we didn't, we didn't see much. We didn't see Zahira again at all after that beginning sequence. Uh, they basically got away. We, we just didn't see them anymore for the rest of the episode. Uh, we'll kind of find out why during the next episode. But, um, one thing that I thought was strange about, about that beginning sequence though, is that they, they didn't bring more troops to, to, to fight, uh, and when I say they, I mean Zuko and Tunrock and Eskandesna. I mean, they're all basically leaders, chiefs, lords of their respective tribes and nations. But yet it was just the four of them. I thought that that was strange that they didn't bring an army with them 
to try. I mean, I, I get it from a writing standpoint, right? From a writing standpoint, it makes more sense for it just to be the four of them because then it's four on four, and you know maybe it's you get a better fight out of it. You kind of raise the stakes a little bit, and plus, it would be hard to kind of explain them getting away if there was an entire army there. But just you know, if you're looking at it in terms of what makes sense, I, that was kind of weird to me. But you know, once again. For writing purposes, I can totally see why I would have went that way. So the episode just basically ends with um, Korra and Tenzin having a little chat. You know, Korra is going to keep looking for airbenders. Tenzin is going to take the other airbenders to the uh, the, the air temple. Um, which is we get a nice moment there. You know, she kind of she kind of makes a good point about how she always makes enemies. And she does, because the way that Korra handles things is not at all the way that Aang used to handle things. You know, Korra is much she she likes to fight first and talk second. Aang was very much the other way. I mean, that, I mean, he, he was supposed to be that way. He was a monk. He was an airbender. You know, they were very peaceful and, and their fighting was never the first option for anything. So it's just nice to see a nice, um, diverse, different sort of perspective with Korra's story versus Aang's story. And that was one of the things that I know that they kind of set out for from the beginning is that they didn't want to repeat, which is why they decided to make the first season just take place solely in Republic City, you know, because if we had all of this kingdom hopping and everything that we kind of have going now, then it kind of would have been a repeat of uh, The Last Airbender in some ways. But now they're kind of branching back out, but not as much, you know, we're getting, we got some, a lot of water temple stuff, water tribe stuff, last season now we get more earth stuff this season and maybe we'll get more fire stuff next season so it, you know it's kind of going in that same path in a way but it's taken in, in a different in a different order which i like because now we kind of miss those places we want to see what those places have evolved into uh, since since ang defeated uh the fire lord years ago so I think that about does it for what we're going to talk about for the episode itself. At this point, I'm going to shift over and address your emails. Once again, if you would like to see me an email, send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. You can also like facebook.com slash republiccityreport. Leave me a comment there. Send me a message. Either way, I'll get it. Uh, the more popular way right now is to send me an email. So if you want to go for that, go for it. Just Send me your name and where you're from if you if you feel comfortable with doing that. Uh, at the very least, give me something to call you <laughs> so that I can make sure I get it right and, and, and give you a shout out on the podcast. So the first email here is from Thomas and it reads, hey, long time no chat. Just watched in harm's way and I had some questions slash thoughts. What's your thought on Boomy's comment that the Earth Queen has a right to use her subjects? kind of makes sense in a sad way they are her people even if they can airbend if the usa restarted the draft it wouldn't be evil even if it mainly targeted minorities so i'll just go ahead and take that first and then we'll get to the rest of your email uh you know the thing about you know what i loved about this episode when they when they mentioned that whole thing is that they brought it up right it to me to me it read it read as the kind of thing that had had boomy not mentioned that in the story us as viewers would have been like well wait a second i mean that she's the queen right she can kind of do what she wants so i love that the writers decided well let's let's point that out so that we don't so we can make sure 
the fans know that we acknowledge that too. You know, and, and it's a very smart way of handling it instead of just pretending like that wouldn't be a concern because it does make sense. It does make sense that she is the queen so she can draft them into the, the army if she feels like it. Now, they also do a very good job of ex- kind of explaining why it's still not fair. And that's the thing about Cora, though. She's never been one to uh, obey the rules, so to speak. You know, she kind of follows her heart and her, her heart. Even though her methods may be wrong, her heart never is. Um, so she knows in her heart that they, they don't, they don't, those people don't want to be there and that they shouldn't have to be there because they're airbenders now. Um, but at the same time, yeah, Boomy, I mean, honestly, Boomy did have a good point is that she she had every right to draft them if she wanted to, because those are those were Earth Kingdom people. You know, they were not born air nomads. They were born Earth Kingdom. So if she wanted to draft them, then she had every right to do so. Now, with that also being said, it wasn't really a draft, was it? It was more so of a kidnapping. You know, these people were taken against their will. So then it becomes, well, you know, it's at that point it becomes unfair, right? So that's when, you know, Cora has to step in and try to try to make things right. So, yeah, Boomy did have a good point, and I'm glad that the writers pointed that out and also did a good job of pointing out the well, you know, as to why it still was wrong in uh, the Avatar's eyes. Okay, your email also reads, Beifong is back. Hope she sticks around. I agree there. Um, I love Beifong. She is such a pain in the butt in some ways because she so can be so mean at times, but it's great. I mean, she has her mother's attitude, which is what I like. Uh, Kai is kind of B.A. Uh, Kai is kind of B.A. <laughs> Very Robin Hood-like. Um, well, I, I don't know if I would say he's Robin Hood-like. I mean, Robin Hood steals from the uh, rich and gives to the poor. And Kai, Kai just kind of steals from himself. At least right now. At least right now he does. Now, but once again, expect him to evolve. Expect him to change. Once again, the theme of this season is change. Uh, You also say that Korra may have started another world war. It's sad that Republic City is deep in the Earth Kingdom. Uh, Yeah, that was something else I I like that they pointed out. Um, You know, the Earth Queen basically said, you know, by denying, by kidnapping these these people, they're they're Earth Kingdom citizens. uh, It's it's an act of war. And it kind of is. And that's one of the great things about this show is that there's a fine line there. And Korra doesn't have a problem with, with crossing that line because she she's she's trying to bring balance she's not she's not really concerned with kings and queens and presidents and government it's like it's about the spirits what's natural what's real what's you know all of that kind of stuff so she's more concerned with the airbenders going where they're supposed to be because in her eyes that's going to bring balance uh, and yes, the fact that Republic Cities in the Earth Kingdom was a nice was a was a nice touch that they threw that in there because uh, that just gives the Earth Queen another reason to kind of be frustrated and and, you know, just angry at at everyone from Republic City, which will just fuel her fire even more. And it also explains why they were able to get to Earth Kingdom so quickly, because they mention that Republic City is within Earth Kingdom territory. So they can just kind of jump back and forth there between there and Republic City. And it won't take, you know, several episodes like it would have taken in the last airbender. Uh, 
Anywho, thanks for reading and thanks for doing the show. Uh, Thomas, you're very welcome. And thank you for being a listener. Um, feel free to just, you know, recommend the podcast to any other choral watchers that you may know. And feel free to email me at any time. OK, one more email here from uh, Lauren. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm not going to read your entire email, Lauren, but I'm going to kind of jump to the questions here because I think I'm kind of running out of time. Uh, okay, let's see. You have two questions here. Question one. Do you think Tunrock will get another chance to fight Zaheer? And if so, who do you think will win this time? Well, um, I mean, the Tunrock kind of got to fight Zaheer a little bit in this episode. Now, you know, you may not really want to call that a fight because it didn't last very long and they really um, brought their A games. But I don't necessarily see them getting another fight because it's not about it's not about Tunrock and Zaheer, right? At least not right now. I mean, yes, there is a history there because they tried to kidnap his daughter. But, you know, rest assured that if there is any sort of epic fight against Zaheer, it's going to be Korra <laughs> because she's the main character. Now, that's not to say that Tunrock and Zaheer won't get into it again. But in a situation like this, they're going to build to a big fight between her and Zaheer. You know, I mean, that's just that's just typically how these things go down. And they haven't given us enough of a personal vendetta between Tunrock and Zaheer at this point in order for me to believe that at some point they're going to have this big epic showdown. But if they did, well, then Tunrock's going to win because he's the good guy. Right. I mean, and unless they plan on killing off some of the good guys this season, um, which may happen. I mean, and that's not based on any sort of rumors or anything that I heard, but. With shows like this, sometimes you have to shake things up by, you know, killing off a, a character. And that, that happens a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, but right now, I don't I don't have much of a reason to think that they're even going to really fight again. You know, they may fight as a part of a bigger fight. But as far as them getting a personal one on one type of thing, uh, I don't I don't think so. OK, your second question is also, how do you think Tenzin is going to react when he realizes his firstborn has a full fledged crush on Kai? <laughs> well, we're you know, we're kind of getting a little little taste of that now. Um, you know, there was a moment in this episode where Korra is asking Janora about well, how were you able to find me during harmonic convergence? You know, and, and Janora is like, well, uh, I, I sensed your energy because we have a connection. And Korra is like. Well, I know you and Kai have a connection. Maybe you can do the same thing. And then Tenzin's like, what kind of a connection? You know, I mean, it's, it, I don't think it'll grow, go much further than that, other than him just kind of making remarks every now and then, just as a father, right? Because that's what happens. Uh, just for comic relief, I don't know if there'll be any sort of serious conversations about it. I think Kai will probably redeem himself before any sort of real conversation begins to happen because let's let's remember now that and you know from from what we can tell kai is going to go train with tenzin and Janora, and he's going to watch from a distance he's going to see them slowly fall in love but he's also going to watch kai become the newest and greatest airbender because i feel like that's where they're taking him remember i i think they're just going to kind of parallel him with ang a little bit especially if he shaves his head and all that i mean he'll look just like him um so, yeah, rest assured that in the end, he'll probably prove himself to, to Tenzin before it becomes a big deal. But, yeah, he'll he'll have his little funny comments every now and then and, and such like that. Um, so thank you once again, Lauren, for your email. 
Um, I want to let everyone know once again, if you'd like to email me, you can email me at republiccityreport at gmail.com. Also head over to facebook.com slash republiccityreport. Uh, if you have any questions or theories or concerns, let me know what you think about my idea of reviewing the last Airbender movie. Uh, I have a lot of things... It, and I don't I don't use any profanity in this in this podcast. It might be kind of hard to not use any <laughs> in that podcast because that movie was so terrible. But I would try my best. Uh, speaking of, you know, podcasts, there are other podcasts over at awesomepods.com. That's awesome. P.O.D.S. I almost forgot how to spell pods for a second dot com, including another one that I do call Geekly Dose. So if you're just a fan of geek stuff in general, comic books, video games, movies, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can listen to that. That that podcast is explicit, though. Um, so just keep that in mind before you listen to it. Uh, and you can also find us at Facebook.com slash Awesome Pods, which is kind of where we update everyone about all the new updates from all the podcasts, which we don't have a ton right now. It's maybe about five. Uh, but if you haven't liked that page yet, you also want to head over there and give that a like. And then that way you can be amongst the community with everyone else for the awesome pods. So I will be back very soon with the next episode, um, the metal clan. Um, probably it'll, it'll, that one should be up as well before the new episode on Friday. Don't quote me on that just yet, but I'm going to aim to have that one up that way. Everyone can be caught up. I can be caught up and we can just start fresh again with the next two episodes. So, um, until then, For Republic City Report, I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender. Thank you guys, and I'll see you next time. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.